just to welcome everybody here, it's really great to have you. And what we're going to be doing today, it's going to be really more of a family type service. Sorry to disappoint those who are looking forward to our sermon. It's going to be a wee bit shorter today. So, yeah, you should be all right. And what I want to start off with is, is mention something that I, I read about just, just very recently. And that's a, a true story from, from New York City. It's a true story. An art student in one of the, the colleges there decided for a project they'd been given to put 37 black boxes around the city with the name Fear written on them in big black letters. So there we are. So the, these black boxes all over the city. And what the student intended was to, to make a statement by this. They thought, well, you know, it'll make people think. Instead, it caused panic. Now, that was my face, something like that, when Elaine told me that the sermon I'd done for the verse of the year was totally inappropriate to do a big, long sermon, and I had to do it all again around about the 28th of December. That's what I looked like a wee bit. Phoning around friends, looking for help and counsel. Yeah. So, it led to panic, this big black box, these, sorry, these boxes, 37 of them, and people called the the bomb squad out, all sorts of things happened, called the police and everything, and it brought the city transport system to a standstill. The student who'd done their, their project ended up that night in jail, charged with reckless endangerment. Not much of a sense of humour, but anyway. But I was thinking today that there's lots of fear around there's lots of people in the world today, standing at the start of a new year, who are worried about lots of things, worried about big things that are going on in the world, and worried about little things, comparatively little things, that are happening in their own life. And I think sometimes there's too much worry and fear around today. So today on this New Year's Day, I want to a little bit just try and balance things up. So I wonder if anybody would like to tell me, what are the things that make you feel happy about life? What are the things that make you feel good? Anybody going to say anything that makes them feel happy? Mark, it's his family there. We can see that, so that's one. Any? Sorry? <laughs> Honesty is a great thing. Thank you. Anybody else? Ian? Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Ian. Your sincerity is always so much appreciated. That's what makes me happy. Anybody, anybody else get anything that makes them happy? The sun, ah, just because you've gone to Nigeria, ah, you show off. Show off. Right, anybody else? And she says you've given her no reason to nag you. Yes. Let's boo and boo. <laughs> Somebody else, anybody else got anything that makes them happy? Playing Food. Golf Playing golf every Saturday. That makes me happy. <laughs> I knew you would say that. <laughs> anything, anything else? It's really gone well. The, the happiness is fantastic. So, I thought we could maybe put up a wee, another wee image. There you are. I don't know what that is. That must be something. But that's something that makes somebody feel very very happy. And I was thinking about this and I thought, you know, if you think about it as a church, we've got quite a number of things to be happy and thankful about. 
We can be happy about people who this last year have been baptised, people who've joined the church. We can be happy about people who've got married, happy about babies being born, and happy about seeing new people and new families joining with us to worship. We can be happy about all these things. I'm happy about them all. But you know, above all, what makes me happy and what gives me hope, no matter what's going on in this world around, what makes me happy is remembering that God loves me. And remembering that this isn't just a matter of words, but it's something that God proved. God proved he loves me. And he proved he loves you as he became a man in Jesus and then died on the cross for my sin. And my hope, no matter what is going on, is based on the resurrection of Jesus. That Jesus rose from the dead, that he defeated death, that Jesus defeated all the powers of evil. And because of that, no matter how dark this world can get, no matter how dangerous this world might seem, because of that, I know that in the end, good will win. And that makes me very happy. I've, I've brought something with me today and I just want to describe it to you. It's got no eyes, no nose, no mouth. It's got, what else has it got? It's got no legs, but it's got a face and it's got two hands. What do you think I'm talking about? Oh, thank you, young man. <laughs> it is a, a clock. And I've brought one along with me today. And it's something that's very important, something that, that we use every single day. And this is a little one I've got here, and we put it in our spare bedroom. Now, would somebody like to, Sky, would you listen to this for me and tell me what you think of the tick? Could you come help me? Just for a minute. Now tell me, how loud would you say that tick is? Not very. Not very loud. You can hardly hear it at all. Is that right? That's good. Thank you for helping me. You can hardly hear it at all. But do you know that there are members of our family who, when they stay overnight, put this clock outside of the spare room where they're sleeping because they say it's too noisy? It's actually my sister-in-law. She's one of these, the princess and the pea type of people. Um, so she, she puts it out. Now, I have to say, I have once or twice tried to slip it beneath the pillows. But she discovers that whatever I do, you know, stick it in different places. I just want to drive her mad. But who can tell me? Can you tell me what ways a clock is important in your life? What ways is a clock important? Anybody think any ways that a clock's important? You know, like, oh yes, that can be helpful. Uh, it might, you know, it might let you know if it's time to get up in the morning. Get a wee picture there, so that's one. <laughs> that's a, some invention somebody has where it gives you a slap across the face to let you know. I've got something worse than that actually. That lets me know because Elaine gets the radio and it's on to Classic FM every so. Classic FM. <laughs> but anyway, every single morning. Thank you for that torture every day. And then, so you might need a clock as well. You might need it to tell you when it's time to go to bed. Is that right? You could do that. Time to go to school. How great is that? You know, when I was a little boy, there were some times when P2 
people in my family used to sleep in and I would be awake and I knew it was time to go to school and I just used to get on I was sleeping forever and ever and they used to go mad when they got up let's say when it's time to go to work time to have your dinner now that's important time to watch your favourite programmes things like that so clocks are important but you know there was one time in, in our life after my son Daniel was born when we thought we would actually never need an alarm clock ever again because he was up six, seven, eight times a night and every time I got up and saw to all his needs. <laughs> oh, don't you smile. <laughs> he's 31 years old now and he still doesn't like going to bed. It hasn't changed. I keep on trying to get him to go, but no. But we've got one good thing. At least now we know that once he goes, he stays in it and he doesn't cry. That's brilliant. The problem now when he visits can be getting him to get up at some time during the next day. But that's a different story. But there's one special way, just to let you know, that I have to be very careful and watch the clock. And it's when I speak on Sundays. Because I know that if I speak too long, it will be a different kind of time. It will be time for me to get into trouble when I go home. So I've got to be really careful. But we've just had a very important special time, haven't we? When people watch the clock. Lots of people watch the clock. New Year's Eve. Did you stay up for it, all of you? I can tell. <laughs> New Year's Eve. That's a time when we've got to watch the clock. And there's lots of great things. You know, the fireworks display were amazing last night. Fantastic. Lots of kisses and cuddles and stuff like that, which can be fun, but also scary for some of us, especially the kisses. Let's see this. That poor girl, she don't know what she got paid for that shift, but whatever it was, it was not enough. But you know, time isn't just important to us. The Bible tells us that time is actually important to God. Because what the Bible tells us is that God created time and that God is in control of time. God created it and is in control of it. For example, in Revelation 22, 13, God says there, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and last word of the Greek alphabet. He says, I am the first and I'm the last. I am the beginning and the end. And that tells us that right at the very beginning of time, before time began, stands God. God who created this world and who created time that we are set in. And then right at the very end of time, there also stands God. God who we know in the second coming of Jesus, that he who first came as Savior will then return to this world as judge. And then he will bring time, time as we know it, he will bring it to an end. And will be living, those who know him, in his eternal love. But as well as this, there's also the fact that every moment in time, every single moment, God always stands in control of time. God is always in control. Now, it might not always seem as if that's so, as evil things maybe happen in this world. We see terrible things happening right now today. But what the Bible tells us is that though evil is powerful in this world, yet God is all-powerful. Evil might be powerful, but God is sovereign and that God is always in control and that in the end, good will always win. 
Indeed, what the Bible says is that, is that in a, a marvellous and yet wonderful way, God at times even uses evil that people do for his own good purposes. And the greatest example of this, of course, is the cross of Jesus Christ. Where there at the cross, God took all the evil that men could do, all that the master of evil, Satan, all that he could throw against him. And then in the death and resurrection of Jesus, God took all these things and used them in the greatest way ever, the greatest way imaginable, to reveal his glory, to show to everyone how great he is. And you see, God, as we, as we trust him, God, as we turn to him, God is able to do exactly the same kind of thing in each of our lives as well. That's one of the Bible's most famous verses, Romans 8, verse 28. That's what it tells us. It says that in all things, not in some things, but that in all things, everything that goes on in life, God is at work for the good of those who love him. You see, God is able to use whatever we go through in life, even the hard things and the bad things, God is able to use them, and he's able to use them to bring us closer to him. He's able to use these things to reveal his glory in us and through us. God's able to do that. God's in control so long as we just keep on holding on. So long as we keep on turning to him, trusting him, following him, and obeying him. But you know, when we think that God is in control of time, that God created time, then what does that suggest to us about the way that we then should use our time? What I would want to say today is I think that tells us that we should use our time wisely. We should use our time very wisely because, you see, each one of us has only got one life. We only live on this earth once, and none of us knows how long that life is going to live. But one thing that is for sure is that at the end of our life, we're going to have to give an answer to God for the way that we've lived it. And we need to live it wisely. I'm going to suggest to you that there are three ways, key ways, in which we need to use our lives wisely as far as God is concerned. Three key ways. First of all, by coming to him for salvation. That's the first thing. Paul in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2 says, he says, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. So you see, if you've heard of what God has done for you in Jesus, then now is the time to put your faith in him. Not some other day out there in the future. Now is the time, right now, to make what he has done for you to make it yours by faith. Now is the time. Be wise. Because you see, this time, this day of opportunity won't last forever. One day either Jesus is going to return or we're going to die. That's a fact. And when that time comes, then our time of opportunity, our time for decision will be over. Because you see, then we who haven't had any time for God in this world, we'll find that God has no time for us in the world to come. The second way God calls us to use our time wisely, as well as coming to him for salvation, 
is by then using our time, our time on this earth, to follow him. Yes, you see, once we've come to him, God wants us then to use our lives to honor him by choosing to follow Jesus, by choosing every day to seek to live our lives like Jesus, the way Jesus would. Now, that's not easy. I want to be honest, and it's not natural. Weak as we are and sinful as this world is, but you know, the Bible says that trusting in God and relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, the power that brought Jesus from death to life, the Bible tells us that God can enable us to live like this. If we choose it, then God can enable us to live it. As Paul says again, this time in Galatians 5, 25, he says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Well, finally, God's call to us to use our time wisely, as well as being about using our time to come to him and to follow him, also involves using our time to serve him. You see, God wants us to use our lives. He wants us to invest our lives in serving him and seeking to build up his kingdom, to use our life to seek to, as much as we can, achieve things that are eternal and that will last forever. Rather than just throwing our lives, as so many do, on things that will bring us maybe a moment of pleasure, but pass, and when we think about them, really don't add up to anything of any significance. These are the ways then that God wants us to use our time. These are the ways that he wants us to invest our lives. But here's something, something that's very important. I've touched on it already, but I think it does bear repeating. To live like this, to be able to live like this, to be able to live in a way that is so different from the world around us, this doesn't just happen. We don't just drift into living this kind of life. We don't. We've actually got to make a deliberate and a consistent and ongoing choice to live like this if we're going to be able to do it. And way back in the the Old Testament, one of the great leaders of Israel there, Joshua, he understood very clearly the importance of choice if God's people are going to live a life that's pleasing to God. We've got to make a choice for in Joshua 24, 15. He laid before the people of God this challenge. And he said to them, it was a key moment in the history of God's people. And he said, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father, forefathers served beyond the river, the pagan gods, that you once worshipped, or the God of the Amorites, in whose land you're now living, the gods that surround you in the world that we're a part of. And then he went on, and he said, But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. The challenge to us today, to each one of us as God's people here in Hamilton, the challenge to us today is in 2017, what choice are we going to make about the way we use our lives, about the way we invest our time? 
Are we going to choose to throw our lives away in this coming year on lesser things, on little things? Or are we going to choose to come to the Lord, to follow the Lord, and to serve the Lord with all that we are? I pray that with Joshua, we'll all make the right choice. That our choice today will be, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for a special day like today, the beginning of a new year. And each new year brings with it new opportunities, new things that we can do, new areas of ministry that we can move into. Lord, may we today make that choice with Joshua. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. May this be a year where each one of us seeks to work together, to serve together, to follow you in all that you're calling us to do, that we might together as Hamilton Baptist Church do your will in this town, in this community and beyond. Lord, be with us and use us for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.